Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello, everybody. This is episode 114. And tonight we're going to be looking at Mary is Happy. Mary is Happy. Another of Stephen's more experimental picks. But before we obviously uh, get into that, it's time to ask what you've been watching. And Stephen, what has been holding your interest, especially in this wonderfully warm weather that we are currently having here in the uk yeah i know we only complain when it's a heat wave don't we, we? do it's it's not productive um because it's hard to get it really done. isn't it really isn't and it's really hard to get i don't know the sort of just get moving sometimes because of the heat and uh you would have thought it would have been easier time to watch movies but now i fall asleep <laughs> Especially the so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what i'm gonna start with is an example of how either I'm getting old or how the heat is affecting me. So the first film I watched was Five Fingers of Death. Okay. Or King Boxer. And what you're going to say to me, Stephen, is didn't you watch that about six months ago and talk about it? I'm sure we talked about it. As I said, I can't remember when we talked about it. No. Back back in November, I watched it. I put it on. I I thought I thought oh I'll have a go at the old um one of those Shaw Brother box sets. I don't think I looked at the first one, and I was watching it, and I was thinking, God, that some of these films are very similar plots, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. It wasn't until the eyeball plucking scene that I thought, yeah, I did literally watch this. I went and checked it on on Letterbox. Bloody hell! I knew I recognised it. But it, I was getting it confused with that Samo Hung film. The, 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 sort of the, the broad storyline of of some baddie trying to win a fighting contest and picking a fight with a local martial arts school is bloody commonplace. It's even It Man, isn't it? Thinking about it. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> so, yes. you know, I mean, there's that general lot of similarities between, uh, that are sort of outlined in five figures of death that are sort of carried across um and mm. you know the evil japanese and fighting tournaments it's it's all pretty much there i mean there's a lot of firsts in that movie such as like the miller's earth which is like that puff of flour that comes up when people hit the ground and we also have like the mm. challenge of chi uh it's also not way for its use of the iron side theme for <laughs> and that's when i should have realized it yeah that's when i that that that's very early on mate <laughs> that's the warning sign thinking, that you've seen this before <laughs> but then i was thinking maybe lots of films used it and but yeah it, it's very embarrassing because i don't i don't mind if it had been a year ago or a couple of years ago but literally it was six months ago so anyway that's where we started and I thought I'd just have better fess up on that. Luckily, though, because of our new format where we will do the alternate recording with the World Cinema Film Club, I have managed to pick another couple of things in the, in the gaps. Um, 
the first thing I saw is a movie, a modern movie, 2022 movie, called um, What to Do with the Dead Kaiju. Okay. Um, directed by Satoshi Miki, who you will probably remember as the director of Turtles Are Surprisingly Fast Swimmers. Which way back episode four or five or something. It's like way that, back at the start, isn't it? Of, really, is that one? Yeah. So, sort of Japanese director, sort of famous for sort of quirky comedies. Um, the premise for this one is that some point before the film started, a giant kaiju attacked Japan and has been beaten. And the film picks up. Sort of after the victory lap has happened, and I sort of posits the question: What do you do with this gigantic dead reptilian body? Um, and in many ways, you know, like in a lot of specifically Godzilla movies, and definitely like Shin Godzilla, where whole swathes of the movie are just procedural government bureaucrats and soldiers running around and. It it's not, you know. Sometimes in the kaiju movie, the 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 kaiju's actually only in it for about ten minutes of the ninety minute running yeah. time. It kind of takes that idea and runs with it, and is a little bit silly, is a little bit surreal. So things happen, you know, like like that body, eventually is going to start to decay and rot and things like that. And the other thing which was wonderful about it is that there's some other sort of callbacks to other movies. So the one I'm going to mention is very apposite because it's calling back to the Mushroom People. All right. <laughs> which made it the fact that I watched it at the same time as I was watching with Tango from, from our episode the other time, other week. Um, made it quite... Um, Oh, I see where that one, where that's coming from. Um, at the end, there's a callback to another franchise that... Basically, you don't know who actually beat the kaiju, and the, and the Japanese government don't really understand either. But let's just say some other famous giant character actually beat it, but no one knew, and then we find out at the end. I'm not going to, I don't think it's spoiling it too much just to say in that. Anyway, this movie seems to have had mixed reviews, and I think mostly from people. That were disappointed that there aren't any giant, well, living giant monsters in it. Okay. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it, and I thought it was quite funny. It's, it's, it, it clearly is trying to be a big budget film without the big budget. So maybe not all the special effects quite work. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, hopefully. Because it's by Satoshi Miki, maybe someone like Third Window will get it out over here. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you where I got it from. But yeah, I I, I, I really enjoyed it. But I, I know that a lot of people, if you like kaiju movies, I think you have to... I don't think you'll like it if you like kaiju movies, but you'll like it if you like the form of kaiju movies, if that makes sense. So yeah, what to do with the dead kaiju. That was good. And the final thing is, um, so I think I probably spoke last episode or the episode before that I was reviewing the documentary about Anne Hui and sort of bemoaning, actually, I haven't seen a lot of her films. I've seen A Simple Life, I've seen Boat People, 
um, but not many others. Um, so I've decided to fix that because she is like probably the main female film director of Asia, certainly a huge part of the um, Hong Kong new wave in the 80s um, or actually the late 70s. Um, so I saw her first movie, 1979's The Secret. Um, and so you've got to remember this sort of film is contemporaneous with a lot of the sort of latter-day Shaw Brothers stuff and Golden Harvest stuff that we, 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 we watch so much of. And it was just so interesting to see this movie as a completely different sort of style to what Hong Kong cinema had been used to. And you can draw you know, lines to it from other people in that in that, that cinematic movement like Choi Hark and some of his earlier films. Anyway, it's basically a crime thriller based on a true story um, with a soupçon of Nick Rogue about it. Um, there is a murder and two bodies are found in the woods and they've been horrifically dismembered and one of the it's a man and a woman the man appears to be a doctor that works at a local hospital the the victim appears to be his fiance um and nurse that worked with the doctor sort of sniffs a rat a little bit and um investigates and the story expands from there and it goes from being a sort of a, a, a hong kong crime thriller and it goes off to macau for a bit and it's it, you know if, if, you, if you like something like memories of murder um if you enjoy trying to think of some other sort of that that sort of a mother another right. one that we watched um that, that, that there's, a, there's a little element of that so it's I'm not saying it, it probably was incredibly original at the time now it seems like fairly standard stuff so you've just got to remember this is 1979 um, Anhui herself she um, was sort of born in China raised in Hong Kong but she studied in London and did two years in her film studies in London and then came back and worked under King Hu as an assistant director for a little bit you can see that she is very influenced by European cinema. I mean, I've already mentioned there's a bit of... There's, she's definitely seen Don't Look Now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also just things like there's a, there's a, there's somebody in a red dress that appears, and possibly mystical, possibly not, but obviously that is, that's the whole Don't Look Now thing, right? But in China... And Chinese culture, red is like a lucky colour. You get your lucky red money packet and things like that. So using it as a marker for something potentially wrong, supernatural, evil, murderous, is, is a very European thing. So to see her using it is really interesting. It just sort of shows you that she's coming from a completely different space. Anyway, it's really, really good. Um, the... Who stars in it? It's Sylvia Chang is, is the main star. She's excellent. Um, and yeah, if you enjoyed Memories of Murder, if you enjoyed Mother, if you enjoy sort of your wife would like it. Okay. Like that 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 kind of true crimey. I know she's a fan of the true yeah. crime, isn't she? Um, because it is a, it is a rip from the headlines. I mean, obviously they've they've fantasised it up a bit, but yeah, really entertaining. So if, if the, the the problem with our Hui movies is that I can only find two of them over here in the UK. 
Um, they're not on any streaming services. They're not buyable. And I insist that Eureka listen to me now and um, and do some kind of um, collection of her early movies because I think they're um, are excellent. What about yourself? Well, for myself, it's been a week where I've actually been like looking at a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with Asian cinema, really, which is obviously no help to us here at all. You know, been taking time to cross off some stuff I should have seen long before now, such as like watching Twelve Angry Men for the first time, and it's a masterpiece, like everybody says it is. And obviously, I've got our pick, watched our pick for uh, that's happening over the World Cinema Film Club, and you obviously get to look forward to that but in terms of Asian cinema there's only been uh, two things and one I would say is on sketchy ground you can class it for Asian cinema uh, which I'll start with which was the third season of Aquafina is North and Queens finally came over to the UK this week and I binged it all the same day because it was just fantastic and finally we have an episode that rivals the um, Atlantic City episode from way back in season one as uh, Grandma becomes a, a weed dealer I, I haven't watched it. Oh, right. Although I've had I've had access to it for a little oh, okay, while okay. because I, it was only seven episodes, yeah. and I was wondering if that was it or if we were waiting for more. So I was kind of I was just sitting on it. So are you telling me it is? It just is seven just seven episodes. episodes. Um, ah, there's. I mean, there's obviously some very good bits in it, and I think Orkafina is still fantastic as as always. We obviously have the surreal episodes that seems to be a running theme with this show now such as um her going to iceland with her cousin um who i have to say um who is it that plays her cousin it's uh the thing from snl Bowen can't think of his name. Yang. Bowen, Yang. Bowen Yang. Bowen Yang. Bowen Yang yeah. actually feels yeah. is one of the more detrimental aspects of this season as they've just decided I'm guessing that this is just like the showrunner notes is that they just decide to like camp him up to the nth degree whereas before in previous seasons he was sort of like neurotic um and sort of under the weight of his like parents expectation as we saw him go from being like the uh app developer to trying to make it as a b-grade actor and now they just seem to have camped him up to the nth degree so he's like the gay psychic in uh everybody um in kemi kemi Schmep. That seems right. to be like the basis for his character, and it's really annoying when shows do this, where they like take a a character trait of uh, of any particular character and then like ramp it up like the same way that we saw Phil become really stupid in Modern Family and Cam become annoyingly camp. I I I would put the same accusation at Saturday Night Live a bit with him as well. I feel he is used so often as <sighs> angry gay man is the wrong phrase mm. but that kind of jesus christ why am i even involved in this kind of shit gay man <laughs> is, is he, like he doesn't almost like he doesn't want to be there and i think he's a very funny you know um who's the fella that he really does a good impression of that 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 congressman who's got a completely fake life he does a good one of that but i think he's I think he's a funny guy, but I'm not sure he's always you know as you say sort of saying ah oh, we need a gay man yeah or we need a Chinese man. That's all he's used for, and I think that's that's disappointing. And if the Aquafina show is leaning into that, because I think yeah, he was um, he was involved in storylines that actually drove Aquafina's character to do interesting things, like go off to China or 
go off to live in Los Angeles in the first two series, wasn't it? That he was the 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 driving force, even though it never really came to anything. <laughs> yeah, there's. Um, I mean, obviously the. There's, there are some really, really great episodes in this season. I think this season's um, a step up from season two. I think season two had a uh, quite a few, a few stumbling episodes, but but this one it's uh, really, really sort of finds what it needs to do, and certainly the character Grandma is just still fantastic. Um, the fact that, as I said, the fact that she teams up with the other old ladies of the area to form a, a pots <laughs> as pots um, operation is just fantastic. And it's, as I say, it's up there with the Atlantic City episode from uh, season two, season one, should I say? So, yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, Grandma is one of the great characters. <laughs> She's she is marvelous. Um, uh, I I I I I really love the first season. I thought the second season. I thought there was some interesting stuff there, some good stuff. Um, I like that the episode where they went back in time. I thought that was just it's kind of sort of sitcom stuff that. We only used to get on shows like Community. Yeah. That was good, um, but then the whole joining the cult thing, which lasted for two, ep- two or three episodes, I tired of that. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit. Um, I mean, it was good. Obviously, the fact that we got to see um, Margaret Cho. It mm. seems, it seems oh, to be yes, the of thing course. of like any named aimed Asian actor that they can get into the show they will work in like we've seen Simu Lee come in to um, do a, an episode on the show when they had the grandma's flashback episode but it shot like a K-drama which has great lines yeah, that and look how carefree I am, I'm staring at this flower and of course we've got Michelle Yeoh as a aunt, is it? who's Michelle? oh it's Michelle Yeoh Bowen Yang's mother you see I've got to go back and watch because I can't remember Michelle Yeoh yeah but but you're right it is a showcase for all the sort of Asian American talent which is not a bad thing yeah and I mean we Um, recently saw Jenny from Blackpink turn up in the idol which is probably one of the most awful five episode uh, shows that you can watch but yet somehow strangely gripping to watch I, I haven't seen it all I've heard is wow I've seen just all these sort of clickbait articles saying it's the worst oh, yeah. show ever made. Lily Rose Depp and the and the weekend are the most awful actors ever known to man. And the fact that the weekend is like constantly trying to like defend the show and it's sort of like, oh yeah, we were supposed to have a five episode run. We didn't cut a show and it's sort of like you go back to all the fit all the promo material and it's like, this is a six episode run. And the fact that we axed <laughs> it like an episode early. It's a bizarre show where it's like all the supporting characters are fantastic, but the two, these two lead uh, characters are just bloody awful. Is that um, Johnny Depp? It is Johnny Depp's daughter, but she just spends a lot of time like smoking all the time. Like she smokes in a sauna at one point, and it's sort of like it's sort of like her doing the bad girl thing, and that basically involves uh, having sex, getting naked, and smoking. But uh, yeah, that wasn't. uh, that's on the TV side of things. Um, on the film side of things, we finally got uh, the release of uh, Most Dangerous Game, which is not, you know, the people being hunt for sport. It's the first movie in the Toro Murakawa's uh, game trilogy. Ah, see, I saw that in your letterbox and just thought you meant you were like that this game. No. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Oh, you said that. Before, no, 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 no. This is um, <laughs> this is. I say it's the first in a trilogy. I was hoping to get through all three 
before this episode, but it sort of failed between, as I said, Northern, uh, Northern Queens coming on and the general heat. Um, it also didn't help that this first film isn't particularly good. And I know there's a lot of people out there who like to say that uh, Yuzukasu uh, Matsuda is like up there in like the upper echelon of like the Japanese tough guys that he's up there with like like he ranks above Chiba and I would say that Chiba is like miles ahead of where he is especially going off this film because when you look at Chiba's like 70s output where he's basically you know like angry gorilla man in things such as like the Street Fighter trilogy or the Executioner Executioner movies um there's so much more fun than this is um here he plays um, an assassin who's hired to recover a kidnapped victim and who gets involved in a sort of struggle between two huge corporations. The plot is really confusing to say the least and it also doesn't help the fact that he's um, kind of a chauvinist pig in sort of like not in a good way. There's a there's a um, girl who's like a link to one of the bosses who he at one point he rapes while on the phone to him and she somehow like does that straw dogs thing of like falling like going from being raped to just really enjoying it and then ultimately like becoming obsessed with him and it's all like yeah that doesn't really sort of sit with me and the fact that he's just generally unlikable as a character he's just a thug who just go he's well supposed to be like this super slick assassin just generally like just goes into every situation like firing bullets at random there's no flair or finesse to his technique at all and the whole film itself while not arguably one of the longest films certainly was a bit of a slog to get through even at 89 minutes so i'm hoping that with the other two films in the series that it sort of like finds something to do with this character because at the moment just watching this uh compulsive gambler basically lying raping battering people and generally living like a slob yet is somehow creates this uh overwhelming desire and devotion in women is just a little hard to watch so but um so yeah i i i've never heard of this but now i'm reading up as you're talking i get it's like trying to be some kind of 70s italian or american neo-noir kind of deal with yeah with the unlikable anti-hero at the yeah. center um uh, of course we we watched something like that recently in the street fighter where sonny chiba's character is not exactly the most likable <laughs> something about that made us forgive it all its flaws and maybe yeah, maybe this film's morality is in a funny place, but I'll be interested to see how the rest of the trilogy Yeah, I mean, goes. the trilogy has been released for the first time outside of Japan by Arrow Films, uh, so you can pick up the box set. It's surprisingly cheap as well. I think it's in the £15 range, which is very surprising, especially for an Arrow box set. They're normally quite um, a little more than you would expect for a free f film set. Um, but... Yeah, it, as I said, I think when it comes to the Street Fighter, and we, as I said, we see Chiba during that Gorilla Man period. Because he is just such a raging brute, there is, um, and he has a certain charisma to him. Whereas when we look at uh, Masuda's sort of character, he's somewhere between Dirty Harry and Travis Bickle. And there's mm. a scene of him, like, almost, it's like mirrors that uh, scene of, you know, with uh, Bickle, he's like shirtless and he's got the holster on him. That is like almost like they've seen Taxi and they've like mirrored it into this film. But the character, as I said, he does 
do nothing to warm himself to the audience and his actions are all completely um, reprehensible. Whereas with Chiba's Street Fighter and character Terry, he was sort of like, as I said, he was a badass who gets paid to do bad things to bad people. There is a, a general feeling of him. I mean, obviously, it has that scene where he sells the uh, the guy's sister into prostitution, which is awful. But mm. you know, generally, it's just him punching people. It's not him forcing people to go and live with him in his uh, slobbish ways, where he just like lives in his house, like surrounded with uh, empty bottles and filth. <laughs> I don't know. It's on. As I say, it's on Arrow Player now, so you can go check it out if you don't want to. Uh, take a risk on the box set but um, yeah the first one did no nothing for me so we'd be interested to see how the two follow up films um, fare really uh, which is uh, The Killing Game and The Execution Game ah yeah so it's called The Game yeah, the Trilogy Game Trilogy and as I'm just on Amazon as we look and they're temporarily out of stock but 17 99 see so, so that is that is cheap for an arrow set. I have a question for you after your next. That is that is that is something I've got. So. Um, oh, I mean, okay. So I've I've purchased something from Arrow. Okay, this you month. do know I'm not the customer because... service for Arrow. No, no, no. <laughs> I cannot help I you with your t- returns. I'm going to ask you which show we can talk about it on. <laughs> so I thought. Arrow, I, I, I basically there, there was a price drop one uh, on a film I haven't watched, but I've wanted to watch for years. Bernardo Bertolucci's um, Last okay. Emperor. Is that an Italian film, or could I get it in on this show? <laughs> um, that's enough of those grey area ones, like New York Ninja. Obviously, mm. it's, it's a different category to New York Ninja, um, or like we probably need a th- we need a spin-off show for the for the for the. The Shenzhen area. The we certainly, zone. I mean, we certainly <laughs> talked about like these movies that do fall into this, like you know, like Jackie Chan's American period films, such as like mm. uh, The Protector or Battle Creek Brawl, or even like um, bizarre things such as like My Name Is Bruce, or uh, They Call mm. Me Bruce. I think it is. I can't remember which. I thought I thought it was My Name Is Bruce. Um, it's basically with the guy sending up his whole ethnicity. Um, mm. which is unusual to see a Chinese actor playing up um, the stereotypes of his ethnicity. But, yeah, I've, I, I, it's hard to say, really. I mean, obviously, he's an Italian director, but at the same time, it's, a, it's an all-Asian cast, isn't it? So I, I, I'm pretty certain it's Asian, you know, Chinese, Mandarin. Anyway, I'll let you know. I'll watch it, and I'll bring it. I, 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 it's sort of one of those things that I, I was thinking of the world cinema one, but then I thought, oh, does that break our rules? I think we'd, <laughs> but it's think okay. We may just have a series of bonus episodes, like adding to that. Part I think of the I think we're going to have to, because the other the other one I have is I finally got a copy of the um, Three Colors trilogy. Okay, but again. Are they Polish films? No, they're French. Or are they French films? Yeah, yeah. But the director says the only reason they're French is that's where the money came from. (laughs) If he'd been given the money from any other country, it would have been in those languages, (laughs) even though it's got the whole French flag thing going on. Yeah, that's the audience supposed to watch them, red, white, and blue. Yeah, indeed. But, yeah, so... Anyway, I know it's not really for this show, but, uh, yes, I... That that was that's what I was going to do this afternoon was watch the Last Emperor because it was so hot and I was so out of sorts I didn't but that's a cinema shame one mate. 
it's been a very long time since I watched it. I think the only reason I watched it because it was sort of like came on in that Christmas period where you know you just watch anything that's on, and you find yourself mm. watching things such as like Empire of the Sun, and which is a real yeah. real laugh fest. I tell you. Yeah, or um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's another one. There's another one for you. I have a seri- <laughs> feeling there will be a series of uh, additional bonus episodes. So not only are we going to be giving you the World Cinema podcast in our feeds, <laughs> you also get some uh, fun bonus stuff in there as well with these uh, these grey area movies. Mm, now does sure. just come up with a name. Yeah. Um... But, uh, Stephen, I have to ask, do you know the story of Densha Otoko? I don't think okay. so. So, this, as I said, because we are obviously talking about Mary's Happy, Mary's Happy, which is a film based on a consecutive series of uh, tweets. Yep. Yep. So, it brought to mind, I thought, well, it's the perfect time, really, to talk about Densha, uh, Densha Otoko, or better known mm-hmm. as The Train Man. So the story goes, this is another story from the internet that came out of the message boards. This is really from a story that appeared on a uh, uh, the message board 2 channel. And the whole thread of the board was just basically guys who were unlucky in love. A lot of them were like very nerdy guys and sort of lack confidence in women. And they would go on this board and they would like share their woes. And this wasn't like the incel culture where we have now where it's sort of like, oh, women are bad because they won't sleep with me. And I must kill everyone to justify this and use stupid names and call people Chad. This was basically just, you know, guy, lonely guys. You've you've just... You've just lost our red pill ah. audience. <laughs> what shame. a shame. Carry on. <laughs> oh, just get interesting. You're not dating people. Just use that time to get interesting. Yeah. You know, or watch more films. So, mm. but uh, yeah, as I said, the board was just basically based around, you know, guys talking about how unlucky they were in love. And it's on here that the story of a 23 year old otaku. Oh, nerdy guy for uh, for the rest of us um, who basically stepped in when a drunk guy started harassing several women on a train which led to him getting in a brawl with the guy while the other passengers chose to either watch or just went to go and get the conductor to throw this guy off now apparently one of the women who he was defending the honour of was apparently so enamoured with the situation that uh, she tracked him down and uh, sent him a series of gifts and what followed on the board was a series of like updates of how he had eventually started dating this woman who would become known as Hermes now as I said over the course of of this uh, exchange because this went on for about 57 days and totaled about 29,862 posts give or take and the people on the board, they would give him advice and he would ask him, like, you know, about updating his wardrobe and getting a haircut and just and where they're going to the date. And this, like, continues and it's building up to them having a, having a more intimate connection, should we say. And then it sort of, like, ceased contact and that's all that uh, ever came of it. And since then, this story has gone on to inspire mangas and TV shows and films all about the train man. And they even compiled all the 
the messages into a book uh, called The Train Man, which you can get as well. And as I said, I just felt that uh, it's a fascinating story and one that people are still disputing whether it's actually real or if it's like internet mythos, even though the people saying that there was like reports that they found of this brawl happening on the train, but there's no actual proof or identity has ever been revealed of who the train man is. So I was just very curious to know if uh, you'd actually heard of this story at all. I haven't. And I was sitting there with bated breath as you were telling it. And I was going to, I was waiting for the bit where it ended up that he was found as a headless corpse. Or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> No, um, not all my stories have but, dark endings. They're not all like weird <laughs> well, bands trashing places and stuff. <laughs> I thought, yeah, well, I was thinking probably, well, that's probably my bag, isn't it? That the story was going to end horribly. But no, I haven't heard that story. Um, and But I have heard similar ones. And there are other movies and books. So certainly, certainly sort of the whole webtoon thing is based on an Asian cinema especially based on social media um, and the, the, the classic example is My Sassy Girl which is like one of the biggest Korean movies of all time was based on someone's effective online diary so I guess we used to call them blogs we did. didn't we but, was, um, um... It, was, it was before blog it's more like live journal but it was a korean specific thing um all these all these platforms which have long since disappeared um in the last 10 years to find that twitter is still around it's kind of interesting or 20 years i suppose that's how long it's been going on for but yeah it's not it's not without precedence that that's where certainly a lot of of sort of comic and web bait webtoon based stuff has come from there and then lots of that gets turned into movies um I mean, we'll talk about this movie and and its inspiration a little bit more later, I assume. But, uh, well, there you go. Maybe that's your first, um, well, not your first, but that could be your screenplay to write. A screenplay to write about the train train guy. guy. It just plays into that sort of typical nerve fantasy of, you know, know, these Mm. guys who feel that they lack traditional masculine qualities because they're into nerdy pursuits, you know, manga and video games and things. And this idea that they... Mm able to summon their courage to stand up for what's right in it in this this fantastical world it plays off in this um mm. in getting them like in a romantic encounter with the attractive girl but it's got a real sort of internet innocence to it which we don't really have now do we it's sort of like even like when we talk about like the board where these guys were like talking about their failed romances and stuff like now it's just a lot of angry people like 4chan and stuff oh, isn't um, it um, so our mind, my mind's going straight. Which well, my, my 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 mind went straight there, right? I'm thinking of incels. I'm thinking of red pill. I'm thinking of crypto bros. You know, all that kind of shit that that happens online. Although it's not it's not an online I particularly experience, but it's an online I'm fully aware of through other ways it's reported to me. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, that there's a film called Social Fo- Social Phobia. It's a Korean movie, which looks at sort of that. It's sort of council culture before council culture was a thing. You know that that sort of group mind. That what do they call it in Korea? Ah, they call they call the internet community something. 
can't think like the citizenship or something like that. It's got it's got a name, but the way that they can turn on people and social phobia is is one that absolutely uses social media as part of its storytelling, but it's actually quite a dark sort of. I can't remember if someone gets murdered or certainly bullied to suicide. You know the normal cheery stuff that happens in Korean films, but they are. South Korea in particular are 10 years ahead of us in social media in terms of their um, netizens, that's okay. what they're called. Thank you, everybody, who was, tra- who was screaming at their iPhone just then, saying, Stephen, it's the netizens. But yeah, that kind of groupthink stuff that goes on. But the um, gym, in Japan, they have is, that uh, group of people who just like never leave their homes and have like their families have to bring stuff. Har- Hattie- yeah, the Hatsukuri, like yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, we're dragging out all the phrases just... now. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and we have them here, but like, we don't always. No, we just call them we? bums. Um, yeah, <laughs> millennials, weirdo, weirdos. Yeah, I just, I just think that sort of their relationship, their relationship with their mobile phones was yeah. ahead of ours, and, and we'll see that when we watch. Like, you know, we'll watch a movie from an Asian movie from the late nineties, early. Orts, and you'll see people with their phones and stuff, which we probably five years later. Um, and it's, we always think that you know the West is always ahead of everything in these kind of things, but no, actually, a lot of these behaviors are going the other way, trans- transversing, transversing the globe in different directions. Yeah, you know, then I think if this was like a, an American one, it would it would turn into a total creepy pasta. It's sort of like. The girl, the girl's <laughs> oh, like dead, a... and he's like obsessed with her, and he just like can't like eat or sleep or anything, and you need someone like Tom Waits to come along, and it's like, oh, forget her. <laughs> She's a heartbreak. She's a tease. She did the same thing to me. So uh, yeah, but uh, as I said, that was the one. That was the charming tale of uh, Densha Otoko, a tell right. from the more innocent i should yeah. have known that right because i know that denshu is train right <laughs> because i've got a denshu go train simulator thing oh have you now <laughs> and um obviously otaku yeah is, is a is a somebody obsessed with nerd culture um another great film the one that we get to one day is my girlfriend is an otaku about a guy whose girlfriend is addicted to um gay porn manga <laughs> what yowie <laughs> yeah she's an act she's addicted her and her middle-aged female friends are all addicted to yaoi manga um and it, it becomes a blocker to their relationship because she's embarrassed that she's obsessed by it but of course it's actually written for her anyway that's a the t- two japanese words i did actually know i hadn't pulled together fantastic shame on me well, no, no, it's time to fire the projector for tonight's feature presentation, which is Mary is Happy, Mary is Happy. Okay, so tonight we are talking about Mary is Happy, Mary is Happy from 2013, um, which is a Thai movie, as we mentioned already. It was based on a series of uh, consecutive tweets um as with the film following mary on her last course of school having to deal with changes in her life as well as finding love and dealing with uh problems with friendship um 
Stephen, this is your choice, and um, I am not even going to start to try and pronounce that you directed this. I I knew that you were avoiding pronouncing. I have his enough name, problem doing so the Japanese well. names on the show. Never mind the Thai names on the show. Okay, well, I'll um I'll explain why, which will include me pronouncing okay. his name. So, so about. Ten years ago, when I was first writing for Eastern Kicks and writing about publicly about Asian cinema outside of my own little blog and blah, 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 but actually doing something that other people might see and getting the opportunity to interview people, um, I got asked to review um, the director's first film, a film called 36, which is literally 36 pictures. <laughs> that he's made a film around um, which is on the DVD of Mary's Happy, Mary's Happy, it's worth coming again which then led me to getting to see Mary's Happy, Mary's Happy at the cinema and before I watched it I got to interview Narapol Thamrong oh, sorry I nearly was there his name is Narapol Thamrong Ratanarit there you go um, but I'll just call him Narapol because I think he's my friend on Facebook or something <laughs> but I've only met him once but the the producer of the movie um, uh, he, I've, I've, I've watched many of his movies as well he's a film director I can't remember the guy's name but um, Concrete Clouds and things like that I think he did so it's, it's from this Narapol is from this sort of scene of Thai directors most of them inspired by kind of slow cinema and stuff like that but now Paul does things a little bit differently if we just call him by his first name it's much easier isn't it um, and so yes it's kind of artsy but I just thought it was just such a stunning idea so like you say what they have done is they've taken 410 tweets that this one anonymous Thai girl, or she was certainly anonymous at the time, had written and constructed a kind of narrative around it via a series of... Um, as each tweet comes up on screen, they do a little sort of vignette of the tweet or maybe a collection of the tweets in a row and there's kind of an overarching story... As you say, it's certainly about a young girl who is having her last year at high school and she's meant to be going off to university and life's changing around her. And some of the events that happen seem to be just a bit surreal. Some of them are kind of teenage girl stuff, falling in love, the general disconnection with society, the fear of growing up, that kind of stuff. And I just thought it was astonishing now, I probably, and I think I put it in our first top 25 movies. It's a film that's always stuck with me. And I think I was lucky because I was lucky enough to speak to the director. And I just felt very connected with this movie. Um, and I've always pushed it. But I thought about time we brought it to the show because I realised it was on Mubai. I thought there's no way you were ever going to be able to watch it, mate. But when I saw it was on Mubai, I thought, ah, oh, good. I've even got the T-shirt. Literally, if you know, you know what I mean. When I oh, you got the uh, the right. sports day <laughs> yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, I have because it came in a. I bought a special version of it that came with a t-shirt. I would say this is this is giving me <laughs> visions of Ross and his Frankie says relax t-shirt now. 
Yeah, it, it, it could be a bit like that. So let, let, let's move on. It certainly wouldn't fit me anymore. But I just thought it was a really clever idea. Rewatching it, though, I'd forgotten it was two hours long. Um, so that was, that'll be an interesting question back. But I thought it was... I've always thought it was just a really clever, unique idea. One of those ideas you don't want to see every film like. Um, you know, it's fine. There's a film that does it here, and that's enough for me. I don't want to see, and there's no, there's no sequels or anything like that. But yes, I I that that's how I sort of have this personal connection with it, and I've always loved it. Um, because you've given me this open goal to, to go a bit um, art housey. This is my final one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not too sure art house is quite the right word for it. I think more this is more experimental yeah. than than anything. Um, you know, this isn't. I don't think this film is like deliberately obtuse, like The Assassin, um, and maybe some of the other films that we've looked at. Um, this is this is. Hopefully, you found this film funny in places and you weren't completely turned off by it, but let's find out. I'm really unsurprised the fact it is actually on Mumbai, first of all, because this is very much their fare. And when you look at uh, the reaction it has on Mumbai, and certainly on Letterboxd, it's a very diverse film, to say the least. There's people who absolutely adore this movie, and there's others who are kind of like on the middle of the fence with it. And I think I'm the, one of the latter here is... But you don't, you don't find many people who hate it. You just find people that think, well, and right. <laughs> that, I think that's I think that's the po- it's not quite Marmite, is no, it? No, like, and yeah. I think one of the reasons why that we don't have that sort of like overall disdain for this movie is the fact that it's a movie of two halves, and the first half is feels like we're almost watching like a Thai version of Daria or Ghost World. We have these two young girls who are following. We got um, Mary, who is sort of like the real sort of like go get her she's out there she's sort of goes just constantly charging forward she has no clue of the direction she's going she's just a rebel without a clue and then we obviously have her friend um who's um called suri who's like the more grounded one so if this this she would be like the jane or the rebecca sort of character and she's the one who sort of like keeps mary sort of grounded and Early on, I mean the the fact that Mary has like such scattered ideas. I mean, she orders a pet jellyfish, which comes frozen in a block of ice. I have no idea how Thai um, deliveries work, but apparently you can have a a frozen jellyfish delivered to you, and it's still as frozen as they got it out of the freezer. Um, she randomly turns up in France and the jungle, and her phone explodes in her ear, and she gets a high. <laughs> Her eye, her eye seven. <laughs> um, and much like the scene where she gets like she eats the wrong sort of mushrooms, and we have the you know, like this Wes Anderson sort of surrealism to it, where this ambulance crew are just standing by her, and she's like passed out, or she's standing next to a smoldering remains of her phone. We, that happened. That, yeah, that happens to her a couple of times. So yeah, so so Mary is, um, she's a little bit pretentious. She's a little bit lost and stuck. She has these sort of questions that I would say, I'm guessing if she's in high school, she's 17, 18. um, Because like an Asian cinema, that's more like sixth form, isn't it? It's always very confusing. 
they, they sort of go they 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 stay at school longer than we do so so yeah i think it's 17 but they you know it's it's all sick form poetry stuff right it's it's um oh yeah if i went what, what, what i could go left i could go right but if i choose to go left does something force me to go left but if i deliberately decide to go right has something forced me to think about going and she's got all these kind of things going on but then like you say all throughout that first half of the movie i'd say the first two-thirds of the movie it's sort of i'd say there's there's three acts there's this first act where you're introduced to her and like you say crazy shit happens to her and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's a bit sad and then the sort of the second one is where she sort of has this kind of failed romance and then something happens to Suri in the beginning of the third act which kind of drives her into a a depression for a bit is that was that a fair summary of the sort of the three phases of the movie yeah i mean i said i I thought siri being removed from the film Mm. came around the more around the middle portion for myself but as i said with the removal of siri the film really sort of ends up going into kind of a tailspin as and becomes kind of like a a depressing slog to get through as mary no longer has any sort of character to play off and i think this is always the the key thing when you have a character um, that is often good to have them to have someone to play off, and I think this is why this is why Robert Batman has uh, Robin, and that's because the creator said I don't want to constantly write like seventeen issues of this guy just standing on a, a top of a building talking to himself, so he gave him Robin so he has someone to converse with. I mean, I think and yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, and they do try and sort of replace her with other randos, don't they? But it's it's not it's but not they're not in they're never as interesting. It's not the are same. They, though? This is a ten year old film, right? And I think I, I I think we do spoilers, right? Because I think that is the most memorable thing. That that moment is the most that's the thing that's always stuck with me about this film. That basically. At some point in the movie, we've spent all that time. Suri is like the grounded one, right? She's the one that she's going to go off to the University of Austria. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of funny things like that sort of stuff, which obviously can't exist. There's a lot of things which I'm not sure they actually did research or just pulled ideas out of the air, such as um, Mary loves Wonka. Why? Yeah. But at the same time, she thinks that Life of Pi was directed by one. Well, this, this is this is the thing that Mary is not as intelligent as she thinks she is. There are laugh out loud moments. That one car, they, they, there's a scene, isn't there, where it's got the it's got one car Y music. It goes down to less of a frame rate. It it, it, it it's just it's just a thirty second skit, and then somebody walks past. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but then you're absolutely right. She watches Life of Pi. Says, oh, one car why is so good? And so he says, Yeah, but this isn't a one car why movie. <laughs> and no, and it makes sense the fact she's into one car why because she has this whole obsession with the magic. Oh my gosh! I mean, this is the thing. So yes, the begin. The, yeah, it's their last year at school, and they decide to um, start a yearbook, and they go to a teacher, and the teacher get some some money i didn't check how much a million baht was but it's i don't think it's as much money as it sounds <laughs> i have to say the fact that they got money was like this is like for someone who was like the only thing we ever got in like school and and college and stuff was like access to equipment yeah. like they always say like oh we got this this pot of money that you know you can you can submit your project application for and would give you money but i never saw any money at all i saw was like just 
got the agreement to lend equipment. So yeah, so they get money, but they are paralysed by mostly by Mary's. Um, she's a f- pretentious little girl. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds terribly um, damning on me, but she is. She she's waiting for the magic light, that that magic hour, isn't it? The Instagram hour, as they now call it, where the lights just just right for taking photos. Take, and so they never get to do anything. They 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 waste all the money on various. I assume she wasted it going to France. <laughs> well, yeah, she she just goes and you, there's a, there's a clip of her outside um the uh, the pyramid outside the Louvre, isn't it? <laughs> the, oh yeah, yeah, they're outside the Louvre. Yeah, and it's like, did they pay for her to go there just for that? But I don't know. But yeah, she she pisses the money away on trips and all sorts of things. But they never really get to do anything, and that's the kind of and then and then Suri is this this sort of grounded person they both clearly their lives are now mapped out this is that kind of dead time that you have at the end of your school life where i mean it feels like they've done their or they do their exams later on don't they but there's nothing new to learn it's just consolidating everything you're doing you've just got your exams ahead of you and it's you're kind of stuck in your life additionally there's there's a lot of death that happens like the headmaster dies um, and, and other things change. Like the teacher that gave them the money just goes off. Does he say he's going off to become a comedian or an actor? Doesn't he? Something. Like oh no, he's going off to be a stuntman. <laughs> stuntman or a comedian? That's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's, it's sort of stuck with me because it reminded me of Super Parental Guardians, where uh, <laughs> where he he's a gang leader and a stuntman. Yeah, that's right. So so. And I just wondered, is there like a part of the world where like stuntman is like a more regular career than? Yeah, it, it's um. So yeah, so the first the teacher gave him the money goes off to be a stuntman or, or a stand-up comedian i think he says it says either or as if that's the the options and then the head teacher dies and it sounds like the head teacher's last words were something to do with mary so that puts her in a bit of a tailspin we don't know if it is or it isn't because it's some of the stories but then some authoritarian regime comes into play and the school becomes more and i think that's a political commentary on what's going on in thailand at the time you know, like they've had, there's like a, effectively a military dictatorship in play, but it's not. It's all a bit softly done. It's not like 1984 or anything, is it? It's just weird. But then, no, and it's, it's yeah, it's another of those moments as well where we have like that that Wes Anderson flair coming mm. because the the the. The new headmaster um, also owns like a string of factories, and he's converting the classrooms into a warehouse space for his cannery. That's right, and and all the exam questions at the end of the year are about him. So that is definitely <laughs> that is definitely sort of a, a prodder, you know, authoritarian regimes at, at Mao and people like that, isn't it? Where where there's the sort of that worship of the of the great leader. Um, yeah, and um, you have that great scene. It's sort of like, oh, the the headmaster needs this room to store his his cans mm. or, or something, and they're like, oh, will we be able to use the room again? You just see a guy I know taking I, a sledgehammer to the wall. It's like, I mean, this this film is not like very fancifully shot. There's that one one car Y moment where where, where well, clearly everyone knows what they're doing, but yeah, and it just the camera just shifts about an inch, and you just see this this fella come with a sledgehammer and ramming the wall. It's just it's just beautiful comic timing and quite clever filming because most of the time it's kind of handheld isn't it and um it just the met the mary character 
played by Patrick Pumpria, is is usually in frame. Anyway, so these things happen. So people disappear. There's another young girl, Gifty, isn't it? Um, who they has, has who has disappeared, and it's quite clear she's gone off to the jungle and killed herself. But they don't really say it, and no one really knows. But there's this sort of this. So there's lots of loss, and then suddenly, one day, Suri's been murdered. And I remember seeing that for the first time when I watched it. I was like, that just stunned me. Because up to now, although these things had happened, they were all a bit surreal. And then Suri dying, I was really quite emotionally affected by that. Because, I don't know, you just think your main characters are bulletproof. It's like, um, what's that for? Is it Bridge to Terabethia? Is that the one where the lead girl dies about two thirds way through the film? For those of you who haven't, I, I think I believe I think they have. I know that. Um, I know everyone was really surprised when McCann McCulkin's uh, character died in My, my Girl. girl. Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. he got stung to death by bees and it's really harsh <laughs> yeah but it's, it's it's in that realm but you know and, and but this hasn't been a film with a, a traditional narrative and there have been people dying and disappearing and authoritarian regimes have come into play but Surrey dying i thought was really strong and i will agree with you mate whether it happened halfway through the film or or, or two-thirds of the way through the film it then becomes mary's dreadfully affected by this and it is quite drawn out, and I do think that we lose. Um, I don't. It loses some of its connection with us, and it it, it 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 has less of the imaginative, crazy, surreal stuff going on. Um, it's just her kind of dealing with her depression and her guilt. The, it's only a deeply affecting moment, and I think the fact that it's. It's almost like dismissed so easily. Uh, the fact it's all like you see Siri's been murdered and it's all like Siri's been murdered. No suspects have been found. And it just ends. That, that's the end of Siri's story. And it feels like you're casting away this character who's played such an important role in the lead up to this moment. And by removing her and giving Mary no sort of substitute to sort of talk to it sort of like leaves her sort of flailing around in this sort of like depressed state that is soon like passed on to the audience really um and yeah i mean there are obviously a couple of uh fun moments such as like when they just they take over essentially doing the photos for the the yearbook uh for mary and they just have them basically line up while they take it with a disposable camera that was funny, and I like the fact when she submits the uh, the yearbook at the end, and it's like this huge tokenesque tome, and it's like, oh, size is good. This makes it look expensive. Yeah. Did you um, how did you feel about the general conceit that this is just someone's tweet taken completely out of context? And to be fair, this is what Twitter used to be like before it turned into a cesspool of racism and transphobia and taking sides on every issue um it used to be just where people just posted shit that got into their heads <laughs> um do you think that worked because i've read reviews where some people found the tweets actually be distracting at the start they're more distracting because as i said the film's constantly cutting away to put these tweets on the on the screen whereas for the rest of the film once it comes down after that first i don't know six or seven um it comes down and just like 
put some uh, put some on the the screen and there's sort of like uh, like additional sort of subtitles but then sometimes I mean the the tweets cause Murray to go off and do things other times they just feel like they just feel like um, you know again it feels like like someone's live journal thoughts or just tweets I guess um, there's just these random like uh, musings on life and on just things in general that uh, just pop up on the screen that have like no relevance to anything. Yeah. And you just sort of hope that uh, there's going to be a, a good one you can screenshot, like the one cut wild one. Mm. But unfortunately, move by one that you screenshot <laughs> on your phone so I can save it. Yes, I've got I've got the DVD. Maybe I should try and screenshot it off my laptop. Just just screenshot the one cut wild quotes. That's all you need for yeah. this uh, this movie, and then it'd be like. One of those hip things like on a Bell and Sebastian record. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just, um, yeah, I, I think different points are more engaged with the movie and I found them more distracting in the points where I wasn't in, as engaged with the movie. I totally hear what you say about that second half of the film. right? And I think then they became distracting to me. Um, I thought they worked best when they were springing up some kind of surreal idea, you know, just, and they're just enacting that idea. And sometimes I felt that they, they didn't quite match the narrative that they were trying to tell, but they were obviously forced. They are real live tweets by a real live 17 year old schoolgirl, And who knows what she meant? I can't remember. I'm pretty certain that they had got in touch with her in the end. And like she was invited to the premiere in Thailand or something, and she's fully aware. Well, they've put her I mean, Twitter thing all over the publicity, so <laughs> at Mary Maloney or something, um, so that no way they could hide it from her. But would you? What would you like? Would you like your tweets from ten years ago to be turned into a film, mate? <laughs> I'd say it'd be a very angry film. <laughs> it's so it'd be like it's just, I'm trying where I was like ten years ago. Um, I remember in my live journal days that there was a lot of um, anger there. Um, I love it directed at <laughs> the Tories, I think. Because <laughs> they were doing that hugger hood- hoodie thing. Oh, yes. And I, I remember like writing things I thought were really funny, such as like um, one man's skip is another man's treasure trove. Commenting on how like if you put a skip out, it's always it's only a matter of time before someone tries and dumps a couch in it. Yeah. So these like really bizarre. I thought it was being really witty and whimsical, but I'm sure that other people didn't find it so funny. But I think I think that is what that that's the that's that era of Twitter ten years ago. Absolutely, I think everyone was doing that. I think it was just a place to spew because the whole point of Twitter was that it was actually phone based, wasn't it? And that's was how long a text message, an SMS message, could be was um, 128 characters which is why yeah. that limit came from. And yeah, people just did say, oh, this morning I fancy pineapple. I mean, that is the, that is the moment, or, or as you say, something pretentious or something that you thought was hilariously funny. Um, I don't I think when you look back at that period, though, it's got a lot more sort of honesty and a lot more sort of like uh, manic pixie dream girl quirkiness mm. to it. And I think there's when you look at that and you look at things such like uh, Benrick, which was uh, the uh, the journal pages for the uh, this diary would change your life, where you mm. every day you were given a different challenge to go off and do like, you know, mm. eat um, eat an avocado or something. Yeah. 
Challenge. And, um, Challenging. That's <laughs> how you started off. It only got worse from there. Um, and it was sort of like, it had this sort of honesty to it because it wasn't this like idea of that you're like trying to create, create celebrity out of your internet presence. You weren't trying to use it as a platform to create anything. This was just you putting, toward, putting out there just your, your quirky ass thoughts on things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's, I was, I was watching, um, this isn't really meant to be a, 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 a debate on Twitter, but I was watching something today. And do you know, like Twitter is one of the smallest social media platforms in terms of active users? Tiny. It's, it's fractions of what Facebook and Instagram and, and the like have. Um, and even, it's like number nine in the main ones in terms of active users, only just above Pinterest, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but what it's got is it's got traction from news agencies and celebrities and that's kind of taken it over. So it's the way that news is now spread. It's the way that celebrities interact with their fans, which probably wasn't happening so much back in 2013 or even earlier. And it's become something else now than than what it was then. And and that that just that little cry that, that little ability to talk out into the void anonymously. That's the other thing. You know, the, the people that really use Twitter are literally themselves, yeah? It's not it's not a place to be anonymous and just spew out your little thoughts anymore. There's probably better places to do that. Um and obviously, if you've got your magic hour photos, you'd put them on Instagram, wouldn't you? <laughs> I like Inst- I like Instagram. It's one of my one of my preferred platforms. I um, although although if you go into Reels, it's just a wasteland of as, of making you feel bad. As you know, for only too well, I am not big on social media. I don't understand it. I I don't understand how to use it. I use it merely for promoting stuff that we've done i think if you went back and look at my twitter feed you'd find about seven things over the last 10 years that were anything other than i wrote this here's a new podcast we did like (laughs) that's about that's about it my children however oh my god oh my god i can't wait to see the barbie movie yeah (laughs) exactly i don't think i've written that i have I wouldn't. I would expect you had because no. it's a brand for you. But the yeah. one time I did do something is that when Lucas Moura scored the hat trick that sent Tottenham Hotspur to the Champions League final back in 2019, <laughs> I wrote yeah. at Lucas Moura, um, he could have my firstborn child. Unfortunately, my firstborn child is follows me on Twitter and was not very happy mm-hmm. that I was giving her away. That <laughs> was the only. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't really going to do that, but I was very happy that that, that was the greatest moment in football for me in, in 50 years of life. Um, but that's it. I think that's the only personal thing you'll find. So you're not going to make much of a film out of that. Although the story of a boy, that a man that sold his child so his football team could win a football match is a Faustian bargain worthy of a movie, I would suggest. So you, you were meh about this. As opposed yeah. to my... As I said, I think this is one of those movies... I mean, it's like having a Betty Blue poster on you or mm. owning, like, a copy of Bell and Sebastian's Tiger Milk. It's something that's going to probably be something that you seem, like, a lot more cultured and hip with people, I've, as you say. I've given you... like, one I've of your gi- favourite I've, movies. I've given you some cool points. I think... I bet, though, I bet we will both... Now we've both seen it, 
we will both mention something about it over the next you know like one there'll be a couple of scenes which will stuck with us and we will reference it I, that, that's the kind of yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing I think it is. Perhaps so, but I'm, I mean, I'm glad that the fact that it's available on a streaming platform. Otherwise, I mean, it's gonna be like something that stands out in your collection, like a, you know, like a copy of the Life Pursuit. <laughs> it's uh, you've got it's it. You've seem... got it in for Bell and Sebastian tonight, haven't you? <laughs> it's gonna, you know, it's you think it's all all very slight, cool and fun in the moment and stuff, but at the same time, it just doesn't have the sort of like something that's gonna age well for myself. I think it's as I said, it may be like a screenshot or two I might take away from this mm. movie, but certainly by the time it had finished, um, I didn't really feel myself wanting to even like go back to it or mm. sort of. And I found my like initial four star rating in this movie being greatly soured by that second half. And as I said, it's just where the directors obviously made this choice to have this big impactful moment, but there's no follow up to it. All it is do is their service to do is just basically like take a stick and poke at Mary and go, "Yes, sad enough yet." <laughs> yeah, I, I I absolutely hear what you're saying around that. However, I am getting the vibes though that it's not the Terrorizers Part Two for you. Which is I, I'm <laughs> worried that this is, seems to be like your ongoing quest for the show is to basically try and find something as bad as the Terrorizers. Well, the Terrorizers, um, obviously, by the way, everybody, is one of the greatest films ever made. But obviously, you didn't click with it. I am, but it is. <laughs> you can go back to that episode and listen to how little I clicked. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, it, I'm not saying I'm trying to find a movie like that. But that is the bar now that I know. The, that's a film that you didn't click with. So when I've chosen this and the assassin, I mean, I think the assassin. Uh, you probably... The assassin was very popular, it seems, amongst our listener base, which yeah. doesn't surprise me because you know they're they're a pretty highbrow crowd. Mm. But at the same time, they're also a crowd which is what has uh, really totally vibed with our story of Ricky O episode. So yeah, I mean, the assassin, <laughs> I think, is is is. When I, I I talked about it at the time, when we did it over in Eastern Kicks, it was fucking polarizing, and really much more than this. Right, this movie is a movie not many people have seen because it's it's from a certain little subgroup of of Thai filmmakers, and you know the 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 audience is probably a hundred people in the UK, frankly. Um, the assassin obviously is coming from a bit more of a highbrow place, but I absolutely get why people don't like it terrorizes though you hated and you did not click with one little bit and also i don't want to find another movie like that i am just trying to find out where, where, where does where does elwood stop <laughs> i'm just curious to know why you choose like a heat wave as being the prime moment to watch the most surreal and out there things it's not like it's a heat wave we don't need to be thinking and yet you're picking these like complete head scratching <laughs> like challenging Ways of telling story and presenting I, information. I, I tell you what we. Um, I tell you what we won't be doing. We won't be doing summertime machine blues until this heat wave's gone because you could not watch it and hear all the cicadas going off because that film is set in a heat wave and that would just be double bad if you were having heat vision as well. It's <laughs> funny you say that because it did actually come up on the feed asking me if I way to watch it. And I was half tempted by ended up. Um, <laughs> Watching, I made the start on Angel Dust instead, right. which uh, was a recommendation from uh, Listener Marcus. Ooh. And um, we'll be talking about that on the next episode because, I'm, as I said, I've only just started it. So, Okay. But yes, now I've got nothing more to say about it. It is available on Mubai. It is available. Um, day for yep. night. 
were the people who put it out sort of a sort of boutique um, distribution company in the UK so if I've sold you on it even if Elwood hasn't check it out <laughs> what's next week mate who the hell thinks Bell and Sebastian are like the Smiths <laughs> <laughs> so I mean the Wikipedia for Bell and Sebastian it's like it's like who the hell thinks that the Smiths are anything like Bell and Sebastian Right. And Sebastian's the band that you said you liked us to get girls to undress. Um, I don't mind Bell and Sebastian, but I love the Smiths. It's make-out music. You just have it on in the background when you're, as I said, you're fumbling with some girl and it's all like... And I, so like, yeah, I totally am a feminist. There was one song they did about Sports Day or something, wasn't there? That's the only one I really remember. But they, it's the way the covers look a bit like Smiths covers, I think. I think that's the that's the only thing. So if you if you've got your vinyl from the eighties and nineties, then uh, I used to have a friend who was very into Bell and Sebastian. I never really understood it. But he made a movie, didn't he? God save the girl. Did he? Yeah, which was universally panned. Oh, okay. Anyway, enough of, yes. enough of that. That's another show. <laughs> um. So coming up on our next episode. Um... We're going to be taking on a slightly lighter track by a film which I've constantly thought about doing, especially as we roll into summer. So I've been sitting on it for some time, uh, waiting for the perfect moment to drop it. And that, um, I believe, is now. And uh, that film is Summer Wars. I will surprise you. I've seen Summer Wars. I thought you had, but yeah. it's... Um, Directed by uh, Maru Hosoda, who also did uh, The Go Let Through Time. So we are actually covering two of his uh, films pretty close together. And he also directed The Boy and, uh, Boy and the Beast as well, as well as a host of Digimon movies. But um, <laughs> no. <laughs> summer Wars is uh, one that I've been really keen to talk about for some time. And I've been like, we're going to cover it in summer and it's going to be uh, great. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we're going to talk about Summer Wars in, from 20, right, 2009. Yeah, I'll look forward to that. That's, um, I, yeah, uh, it's been a while since I've watched it, so I will uh, look forward to watching it again. Uh, uh, thank you for listening, as always. Um, thanks to my co-host, Stephen. Pleasure, as always. Uh, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. Leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And as of this week, you can also follow us on Freds. No longer just a great movie, now a questionable social platform as well. But um, as I said, uh, make sure you join us next time for Summer Wars. But until then, good night. Oh,
昨日の恋は忘れて昨日のあの子は忘れて踊り続けていたい夜なのさ This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.